Hello, family, and welcome. We're Bob and Penny Lord, and we have a very special super saint to share with you today, St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi. It's the 16th century. We're at a time of struggle and crisis in the world and in the church. An ex-priest, Martin Luther, will cause many innocent lambs, not aware of his disobedience and betrayal to the, of the, to the church, to stray. As always, when the church is under attacks and things look hopeless, God raises up a powerful saint to save his church. St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi was one of those saints. She was born in Florence, Italy, into a very prominent and most influential family. Both sides of her parents' family were close friends of the ruling Medici family. They would be responsible for contributing down through the history of Florence many highly acclaimed statesmen, but none whose mark would be so profoundly and of a lastingly felt on the church and the world as a Carmelite nun from their ranks who would far surpass their fleeting fame. Mary Magdalene was baptized Catherine after St. Catherine of Siena, Siena. Even as a child, she had an intense awareness of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. When her mother received communion, Catherine could not be dissuaded to leave her side, insisting she wanted to be near Jesus, whose presence she so strongly felt in her mother. She would ask her mother over and over again about the three persons in one God. She later wrote, The word was nothing less than love. The Father never ceases to instill it, and the Holy Ghost to delight in it. And from this giving of the word, the soul becomes rich. From the instilling of the Father, the soul becomes a lake of love, and from the delight of the Holy Ghost, the soul becomes treasurer of the Most Holy Trinity. From an early age, Mary Magdalene showed an affinity for the religious life. One time at home, the family was searching for her. They found her praying, and this is what she was saying. Oh, my bridegroom, thou art to us father, lord, and brother. But I do not wish to stop at this word, father. I wish to go beyond. I wish to call thee bridegroom. Consider thee a bridegroom. Hold thee and love thee as if thou art my chaste, sweet, loving bridegroom, knowing that without thee I cannot live, neither can I be content. When her father was appointed governor of Cortona, Catherine was placed in a convent school there and learned to love the prayerful and holy life she saw so authentically lived out each day. When she made her decision to enter the Carmelite order, at first her family objected. They had plans for her to marry to another leading family of Florence. But when her family saw that none of the suitors who asked for her hand in marriage could dissuade her from her intended plans to become a bride of Christ, Catherine was finally allowed to enter the convent of St. Mary on the Feast of the Assumption. The chapel of the convent played a very important role in the religious life of St. Magdalene, Mary Magdalene. It was there that she was invested as a religious on January 30th, 1583. It was at that time she relinquished her name Catherine to take on the name Mary Magdalene. From that time on, she embraced the virtues of Mary Magdalene and considered herself one of the worst sinners as Mary Magdalene had been. When she received the habit, the priest placed the crucifix in her hands and said the words, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
As he pronounced these words, her face became radiant, and yet she was in tremendous pain. One of the nuns asked her, why were you in such pain? How could you bear that pain? And Mary Magdalene pointed to the crucifix and said, see what the infinite love of God suffered for my salvation. That same love sees my weakness and gives me courage. Those who call to mind the sufferings of Christ and offer up their own to God through his passion, weak and less painful. Have you ever done that? Have you ever noticed that when you offer your pain for the poor souls in purgatory or you offer it to take away some of the pain that he suffered on the way to the cross and on the cross, you notice how the pain becomes less? Unexplainable, but it does. Or when you suffer redemptive suffering for somebody, the Lord takes it away from you more times than not. Bob was saying that most of her ecstasies took place in the chapel or the garden where she prayed. Well, it stands to reason. Ecstasies are primarily a time of intimate union with our Lord Jesus, his mother Mary, who's at the foot of the, the cross and never leaves her son, and with the saints and with the angels. The angels were also with Jesus at the cross. So Mary Magdalene had this tremendous intimacy with our heavenly family. These would be natural places, the places where she prayed most, most for, for her to have this ecstatic dialogue with them. One night, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. He said to her, My bride, I wish to be with you, and I will give you rest in me again. And she wrote, I, hearing this, felt myself filled with pain. I would ask all the creatures to pray to God for me. And I remained in this inner and outer pain until three o'clock in the morning. Then I saw that Jesus gave me his blessed wounds, and at once every pain and sorrow left me. Mary Magdalene was praying to Jesus one day and said, Oh, Lord, why do you so unite yourself to me, to sanctify me, to exalt me, to become capable of what by myself and in myself I am not capable? And in that moment she saw St. Augustine write in her heart these words, Verbum in letters of gold and caro factum, est, in letters of blood, the word became flesh. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene de Pazzi. He was beautiful. His hands were covered with rings. Stretching out her hand, she offered her ring finger so gracefully and said to him, Catherine and Augustine will hold my hand, but let me touch the word. You have said you do not hold our desire in contempt. Grant me mine now. Let me have a memory, a mind, a will, desire, affection, intention, everything abandoned in you, the word. And with that, Jesus slipped the ring on her finger, and Mary Magdalene was mystically married to her beloved. On this one particular day, Mary Magdalene was in the church praying. She went into ecstasy, and who came into the chapel but a sister who had died recently? She came in and she knelt before the Blessed Sacrament. Mary Magdalene asked her, How come you're still in purgatory? Because this sister was known for her piety, for her holiness. The sister answered, Well, when I was alive, I came and grudgingly spent time before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Oh, I did all those other things. I lived the rule. I was faithful to my duties. 
but I had to spend time. She did spend the time. She came to the chapel and knelt before Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. But her words were when I had to, when I was obligated to. Instead of rejoicing, having that time, feeling it was a privilege to be with her Lord and Savior. She told Mary Magdalene, worse than all the suffering that I am enduring in purgatory is the absence of the beatific vision of my God, my spouse. I've been waiting for that time, and I cannot see him. So here, by his mercy, he has allowed me to come and be as close as I can to him without seeing him in his beatific vision. So she just knelt there, adoring our Lord Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. When the hour was over, she said, Remember, Jesus said, can you not spend one hour with me? When her hour of adoration was over, St. Mary Magdalene saw her rise and her spirit ascend into heaven. One hour before the Blessed Sacrament. Do you grudgingly spend one hour with the Lord before the Blessed Sacrament? Do you even spend an hour? Do you even have five minutes for him after Mass, before Mass, during the week, on the way to work? Do you? Mary Magdalene was a lady whom the Lord gave tremendous spiritual highs and spiritual lows. She experienced the greatest ecstasies, but also the deepest spiritual dryness. There was a time in her life when she could not feel the Lord's presence at all. She was always fighting temptations of one kind or another. She fought the battle of food. She fought the battle of fasting. Fasting was not an easy thing for her. She was starving constantly. One day she could not rest, having received from God knowledge of purity. His blessed soul from Christmas Day was greatly afflicted, distressed, and troubled because of the great temptations she suffered, especially that against purity, so that she incessantly begged the Most Holy Virgin to grant her the grace of deliverance from this strong temptation. And on the 17th of September, the day of St. Francis of Assisi's stigmata, full of this temptation, the Blessed Mother appeared to her and showed her that she had not offended God, but on the contrary, had with great fortitude overcome this temptation. And Our Lady covered Mary Magdalene with a pure white veil. From our dear Lord Jesus, she received special gifts, mainly his loving heart, the ring, the crown of thorns, the holy stigmata, and the gift of purity. So by the Lord's will, she also received temptations to offset these gifts. Troubled within by temptations to renounce her veil and her vocation, at last, after having passed a whole day in this great conflict to confound and to overcome the devil, she took the keys to the convent door and placed them in the hands of the crucified Lord so that the devil could see that she was here to stay. The last real suffering that she had lasted five years, and that's what Bob had been talking about, and that was when she felt nothing. She didn't feel Jesus, not in the Eucharist, no way. She felt so alone, so forsaken, like our dear Lord on the cross, she cried out, don't you love me anymore? How can you withhold yourself from me? And this lasted five long years. She had the type of darkness where she judged herself the worst of sinners. Hopeless. Helpless. She couldn't feel her Lord. So what did she do? She didn't leave the church. She didn't leave her Lord. 
She didn't stop praying. Each day, each moment of the day, she gave him 100%, even though she felt nothing in return. And finally, one day, it was over. And they heard her exclaim, Rejoice with me, for my winter is at an end. Help me to thank and glorify my Creator. The winter had ended, and her springtime had begun. From that time on, our Lord, having tested her for five years, her ecstasies increased. During some of these ecstasies, she would go up to the Campanile, the bell tower of the convent. She would ring the bell so that everyone in Florence could hear it. It didn't matter what time of day or night it was. She would shout out, Come and love the Lord, love the Lord, love the Lord. Oh, how I wish we could do that today. Sound all the bells in the churches crying out, Come and worship the Lord. She had so many heavenly gifts. She prophesied. She told Alexander de' Medici, remember we told you she was of the Medici family. She told Alexander de' Medici that he would become Pope, that he would have a very short papacy. It lasted 26 days. She was able to read men's hearts. That was very difficult for her. Imagine the pain in reading a sinner's heart. She had the gift of bilocation, being in two places at one time. And she became an instrument of healing and bringing about conversion. Amazing. A cloistered nun, not going out into the world, right in her cloister, had the gift of healing. People would come to her for counseling through the grill. We have always thought that once one of our daughters go inside the cloister, their life is over. They'll never have any contact with the outside world, but that's never the case. Our Lord sends people to them. In the case of Mary Magdalene de Pazzi, the Lord sent many, many famous, well-known people to her for counseling. Do you remember what would happen when she would go into ecstasy? There were times when her body would get so stiff, it appeared that rigor mortis had set in. And her body became so heavy, she couldn't even move. They couldn't even move her. They thought she was dead. And then, other times, they didn't even know she was in ecstasy. She would be going around doing all her duties. Meanwhile, she was communicating with Jesus and sometimes suffering the passion, but no one knew it. She just went about her duties. Holy Thursday, Jesus, her bridegroom, appeared to her, to her soul. He was bleeding. His skin was hanging. He could barely walk. He had a cape on his shoulders, and his head was pierced with thorns, blood running down his face. He cried out, Why can it not be I who suffer all those insults, mockery, and scorn? With that, her arms opened. She received the bundle of rods that had struck him. It was obvious, looking at her face, that she was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then she was at the foot of the cross. If you could have only seen the horror in her eyes, it makes us pause to think, was she at the foot of the cross? Was she there when they drove those nails into our Lord's body and his body writhed in pain? Was she there when Jesus was struggling for breath? Was she there when he spoke his seven last words of compassion and love for us? Was she there when he died on the cross? This was the indescribable agony they could see in her face. Her life was one of passion. She shared in the passion of our Lord Jesus. She wrote, O oh Lord, you destroy and consume me. You make me die, and yet I live. 
Oh, Lord, it is a great suffering you make me feel, so great that even my body, too, shares in it. Oh, souls, come to the Lord. Now, let's, let us make something clear here. Mary Magdalene and all these saints who shared in the passion of Jesus did not seek suffering. They only wanted to share in his passion. As one of the sisters at the shrine said, the only way to Easter Sunday is through Good Friday. And so these saints understood it because our Lord was in communication, intimate communication with them. So they knew the way of, to redemption, the salvation of the souls of the world. And it was through the cross, sharing in the passion. And when Mary Magdalene de Pazzi <clears throat> shared in the passion of Christ, she did it first for the poor souls in purgatory, especially for those for whom no one prayed and for the conversion of sinners. Her heart broke when she thought about sinners. She prayed for the stony hearts because they had lost their way. She prayed for the conversion of those who had lost their faith and had gone away into cults. One day while praying in the garden of the convent with the other religious, she became enraptured in ecstasy and saw before her the pits of purgatory opening. She later shared that she heard a voice beckoning her to follow and witness what the poor souls in purgatory had to endure. The voice explained this was so that when she prayed for them, they would pray relentlessly and compassionately. The sisters heard her say, Yes, I will go. Then God in his mercy had the voice lead her into a more merciful level of purgatory. It was the place reserved for simple souls and those of children who had sinned more out of ignorance than out of malice and forethought. Their suffering appeared to be less painful than that of the other poor souls she had viewed before. Mary Magdalene saw their guardian angels beside them, strengthening and sustaining them with their presence. Although purgatory is a place of hope and anticipation of all the poor souls who enter there, these were the closest to realizing the end of their journey and of being with the Holy Trinity, Mary and our entire heavenly family of angels and saints in heaven. The last stop was a place of the least pain and suffering. It was filled with those souls who had not committed any grave wrongdoing, but out of, Luke of, but out of lack of prudence had been guilty of lesser faults, venial sins. The problem with these sins is that they could have led to more serious mortal sins. They'd had a guardian angel, as all of us have, who warned them when they were doing something that could lead them astray, and they, through pride or lack of, of wisdom or just plain desire, chose to ignore the messenger of God and commit these minor infractions. Then it is God's justice that they, they be cleansed of these imperfections by sharing to a lesser degree the suffering of the other poor souls in purgatory. At last, peace. St. Mary Magdalene left the garden hurriedly. She was heard pleading with the Lord to spare her this suffering in the future. She implored the Lord not to subject her to, the, to this again, and she did not believe that her spirit could survive it. She shared she did not know why she, he had chosen her to share in these heartbreaking scenes, if not to make her aware of the hurt he suffers when we are party to the smallest sin, and to encourage her to avoid any stain of sin which could separate for her from him, not only in this world but in the next. She was shown visions of heaven. There is the vision of a professed 
religious who suffered greatly toward the end of a life. The community prepared the sister's body and it was laid out in the church, as was the custom. St. Mary Magdalene desired to see her one more time. No sooner had she pressed her head against the grill, separating the cloister from the main church, than she went into ecstasy and beheld the sister ascending into heaven. She was beautiful, no signs of the ravages of the illness that had finally taken her life. While she was having this vision of the sister, our Lord told Mary Magdalene that the soul of the sister had spent only 15 hours in purgatory. He said this was because she had atoned for her transgressions during her life with her suffering on earth and because of the plenary indulgences she had received. St. Mary Magdalene saw a sister in purgatory who was guilty of not having appreciated God's grace on three different occasions. On one of the church's feast days, although she was supposed to dedicate this day to the Lord, this sister chose to do some embroidery instead of observing this holy and solemn feast in prayer and meditation. Another time, knowing that there was a problem in the community and she should tell her superior, she chose to be silent. Knowing that sharing this would ultimately benefit the other sisters, she elected to be still. Knowing how they would initially reacted, react, she traded God's divine respect for that of the human respect of the sisters. The third fault is one that most of us have to fight, our inordinate attachment to our loved ones on earth. The sister found herself becoming more and more involved with the concerns and ongoing demands of her family. Knowing this displeased her Lord, having the presence of his grace there to advise and admonish her, she ignored it, believing she could make it up to the Lord and he would understand. The sister did not have time to make it up to the Lord, for she died soon after she had betrayed her commitment to the Lord. St. Mary Magdalene began to pray for that soul. Sixteen days after her death, the sister appeared to Mary Magdalene and announced her deliverance from purgatory. The sister shared that she had, she had to make atonement for those times that she had ignored God's grace and put the world before him. Her period of suffering would have been much longer had the Lord not taken into consideration her fidelity to him and her faithful following of the rule as well as her love towards her other sisters. Then Mary Magdalene was gifted with visions of heaven. She was shown a vision of a professed religious who suffered greatly toward the end of her life. The community prepared the sister's body and it was laid out in the church, as was the custom. Having become very attached to the sister as she had cared for her in her final days, St. Mary Magdalene desired to see her one more time. No sooner had she pressed her face against the grill separating the cloister from the main church than she went into ecstasy and beheld the sister ascending to heaven. She was beautiful. No signs of the ravages of illness that had finally taken her life. In St. Mary Magdalene's convent, there was a sister who was so pious she often accused herself out of humility of all types of faults. She practiced obedience to her superiors with the innocence of a child trusting in their wisdom, obeying without the need of explanation. At the end, our Lord did not share his suffering with her before going to him and his father. She had a very short illness when she was called home. The morning following her death, the sisters were attending Mass 
when St. Mary Magdalene lapsed into ecstasy at the moment the good sisters sang the Sanctus, holy, holy, holy. Mary Magdalene saw the good and holy sister's glorified body as it will be after the last judgment. She was clothed in glory. She had rings of precious stones on all her fingers. The Lord told Mary Magdalene these rings were for her faithfulness to her vocation and for her uncompromising obedience to the rule. Then, for her love of Jesus crucified, he placed a golden crown on her head. In 1604, at 38 years of age, our saint became hopelessly ill. She remained bedridden, suffering not only unbearable agony physically, but spiritually, as she once again experienced the dark night of the soul. This went on for three years. Finally, the time came for St. Mary Magdalene to say goodbye to her community. She knew she was going home. She said, Reverend Mother and dear sisters, I am about to leave you. My final request is that you love Jesus alone, that you trust in him completely, and that you encourage each other to willingly suffer out of love for him. On May the 25th, 1607, at age 41, St. Mary Magdalene went home to her spouse and to all her friends, the saints in heaven. She had had such love and compassion for the poor souls in purgatory that they had prayed for her when they were admitted into heaven. These souls, now saints, had been waiting to escort their friend to her celestial reward. Our Lord gave Mary Magdalene a special gift— as she was dying, and the sisters were intoning, Holy, 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 the Lord allowed Mary Magdalene to see her glorified body, her own glorified body, not a spiritual body, but a physical body she was allowed to see. She was adorned with the finest gown. She wore beautiful rings and marvelous crown filled with rubies and diamonds. And our Lord said to her, As you have lived such a humble, obedient, virtuous life, and always seeking humility, now you shall be exalted in heaven, my daughter. She was covered with a great light. Also, as a visible sign of his special favor, the Lord left her body incorrupt, that all could see his precious and faithful bride. It can be viewed till today in the Carmelite convent in Careggi, Florence. St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi was added to the calendar of saints in 1669, 22 years after her death. To this world and new life in the world, we all look forward to living in someday. We have spoken in this program of a most extraordinary saint, a role model for all time. In the dire time when we do not know what to believe and whom to follow, we pray that the example of St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi help you in your walk towards holiness, your road towards your sainthood, your goal, eternal life with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in heaven. We Remember, have... your greatest gift is the Holy Eucharist, and our Lord Jesus in the Eucharist is what, what gave Mary Magdalene de Pazzi her road to heaven. We thank you for being with us. We love you. God bless you. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here is how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply with your iPhone or Android device, go to the App Store, 
Search for Bob and Penny Lord app and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh, our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.